the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Disciples Pathway Ministries. Welcome to Disciples Pathway Ministries, a mobile ministry with Minister Robbie E. Lilly. Disciples Pathway Ministry is a mobile ministry advancing the kingdom of God so that no one is left behind when Jesus Christ, our King of Kings, returns for his great church. Good afternoon, good afternoon, family. This is Minister Dion. I'm standing here still instead of my mother who sends you all her love, who sends you all her prayers, who is longing to get back to you all. We hope that you're praying for the family also. Today we have, I can't even call him a guest. He's a friend. He's family here at the Disciple Pathway Ministries, Pastor Bell. And we thank you for coming back in to bless us with another day, to bless us with another word, to bless us in the kingdom of heaven because we still people are still raving about the things that you've left us with and now you've come with more so we receive all that you have please 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 just let the people know just let the people know what's been what god has been deposited on your heart i know you talked to me about faith and have been talking about faith and it has to be god because even before you came this past month we had been talking about faith and that faith is the only thing that pleases god so it we have to put emphasis on on that which is faith and we have to continue to grow because if we don't continue to move forward in the things of God, we will move backwards. Amen. Thank you, Minister Dion, for this another opportunity to come and share with you and the people of God as God continues to lead us and guide us where he wants us to be. And I say what I've said before, neither you nor I can feel the seat or the shoes of your mother and all that she does for the kingdom of God. But we're grateful for the opportunity and the privilege. Uh, Good Sunday afternoon to each of you. Let me say again, thank you for this opportunity. And I want to continue with this idea of faith. Uh, We've spent some time talking about the prophet Elijah. And then during our time together, uh, I talked about the prophet Elisha. And so I want to continue in that same vein with the prophet Elisha. There is found in 2 Kings chapter 4 a very unusual story. And I had difficulty trying to come up with an idea or a thought to uh, uh, take advantage of this idea that God has placed on my heart. And so I thought about the idea of finding your happy place. Now, I struggled with that because God never promised us happiness, nor does the Bible ever promise us happiness. But rather, Jesus tells us in John chapter 15 and verse 11, I've spoken these things to you that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. And so God's desire is for us to have joy, because for many of us, if ain't nothing happening, many of us ain't happy. Mm -hmm. It's bad grammar, but you know what I'm talking about. And so really with this idea, it's not necessarily finding your happy place, but finding your place of rest, finding your place of quiet. And so that's what I want to try to deal with for the next few moments. Second Kings chapter four, there is a woman in the land of Shunem. And Shunem means rest or quiet. 
So if you will, we could really talk about finding your resting place or your quiet place. But if I were a psychologist or a therapist, uh, they would tell us to find our happy place. And this idea of a happy place is really subjective because it's a place that makes our mind smile. It's a place that calms us down. It's a place that we feel the assurance that everything is going to be all right in spite of what we're going through and in spite of what we face. And so many of us are facing anxiety. Uh, As my son said to me the other day, and I'm not trying to make light of PTSD, but my son said to me the other day, based on an interaction that he and his sister had, that he was developing what he called patisda. I said, Patisda, what is that? And then he went on to explain to me, Daddy, that's a post-traumatic stress syndrome. And because of the interaction that he had with his sister, he said that he was developing PTSD. And whether we realize it or not, brothers and sisters, many of us through the pandemic, through the economic recession that we find ourselves in, many people have developed PTSD. And so here in Second Kings chapter four, there is a woman who lives in a land of rest, in a place of quiet. And each time the prophet Elisha passes by, the Bible says that she and her husband provide for him. And after some time, she finally goes to her husband and says to him, let's build a room on our home so that when the prophet comes by, he will have a place to rest. He will have a place to study. He will have a place to gather his thoughts. And so they build this room on their home. And because of their hospitality, the Bible says that Elisha goes to this woman and asks what can be done for her. And the Bible says that she does not have a son. Her husband has advanced in age. And the Bible says that Elisha tells her that this time next year, you're going to give birth to a son. The woman tells Elisha, don't uh, deceive me. Don't give me false hope. And sure enough, the word that he has spoken comes to pass. And as I mentioned to you all before, the Old Testament is written in redactors or scenes. And so the scene shifts. It is almost as if you and I were watching a movie and then they post on the screen 10 years later or 15 years later. And so in one verse, the scene shifts. It says now that the child has grown. And the Bible says one day he is out working in the fields with his father and he has a headache. He tells his father, my head, my head. The father tells the servants, take him to his mother. They take the boy to his mother. And while he is lying on his mother's lap, the Bible says that he dies. The Bible says that the mother has the servants place her son on the bed that the prophet was sleeping on. And the Bible says that she tells her husband, give me a servant and some donkeys. And the Bible says that her husband tells her that it is not new moon, nor is it the Sabbath. Why are you now going to see the man of God? And she responds to him by saying all is well. She and the servant start on this journey and she tells the servant, I don't care what we encounter. I don't care what we face. I want you to keep riding until I tell you to stop. Don't wait on me. And that's what God is saying to you and I today, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we are facing, we ought to keep riding. We ought to keep moving because the only way for us to get from our current location to the destination that God has in store for us is for us to keep moving. The Bible says that they go on this journey 
And after riding on this journey, the prophet sees her in the distance. The Bible says that he tells his servant, go and meet the woman and ask her, is all well with you? Ask her, is all well with your husband? Is all well with your child? And when the servant comes, he asks her those questions. Now, remember, her son has died. And the Bible says that when the servant asks her, is all well? She responds by saying, all is well. So how does she get to this place where everything is well? How does she get to this place where she says, I'm good in spite of the fact that her son is now dead? And then when she approaches the man of God, the Bible says that she falls at his feet. His servant tries to remove her and he says to the servant, let her be because God has something on her heart that he has not revealed to me. And the Bible says that they have this conversation. She says to him, did I not tell you don't deceive me? Did I not ask you for this child? And the Bible says that the prophet sends his servant to go and lay his staff on the boy. The servant and the woman uh, go back to the house and the prophet is on his way. When he goes and lays the staff on the boy, nothing happens. But finally, when Elisha arrives, the Bible says that he resuscitates. He revives this boy from the dead and he gives the boy back to his mother. So how did she find this place of rest? How did she find this place of quietness in spite of the trauma that she had, in spite of the trouble that she faced, in fight, in spite of the trials that she had gone through? How did she find that place? That's a mighty good question. And I want to suggest to you that there are three things that God does when he meets us in order for you and I to find our happy place. There is a sad and cryptic tombstone in Lock Hill Cemetery in San Antonio, Texas. It is on the grave of a woman by the name of Grace Llewellyn Smith. It reads simply, sleeps, but rest not. Loved, but was loved not. Tried to please, but pleased not. Died like she lived alone. And too many of us find ourselves alone when God is trying uh, to meet with us. So where does God meet us? Three things. Number one, God will meet you and I based on the context of our crisis. Your crisis is not the same as my crisis and my crisis is not the same as your crisis. But you and I ought to rejoice in the fact that no matter what our crisis is, God can meet us at that crisis. I've had the opportunity to officiate high school basketball in the state of Texas at the highest level. And as I have gotten older, I remind my colleagues all the time that we are getting older, but the kids remain the same age. Because every year it's the same 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-old kids that we are officiating their basketball games. But we have gotten a year older. But as I have aged, there are various changes that have taken place in my body. One year I tore my meniscus, so I had to go to the Methodist Sports Clinic. The next year I broke my wrist and I didn't realize that my wrist was broken and I had a loose bone floating around in it. And finally, I had to have surgery in order to have that bone uh, removed. And then finally, I developed a bone spur on my great toe. Each time I had one of these injuries, I always went back to the Methodist Sports Clinic. But when I went each time, I saw a different physician because each ailment 
caused me to see a different type of doctor. And you and I ought to realize that no matter what our ailment is, no matter what our problem is, or no matter what our crisis is, uh, we can see God because God specializes uh, in things that seem uh, impossible. The songwriter says, have you any rivers that seem incrossable? And have you any mountains that you cannot tunnel through? God specializes in things uh, that seem impossible. He can do what no other power, no other power. And they used to say Holy Ghost power can do. So God can meet you and I based on the context of our crisis, no matter what it is. And I believe that God met this woman right where she was. And because of her faith, she could say it is well. Now, though she had a storm raging in her life, though she had turmoil and confusion going on, she could acknowledge that it was okay. Everything was well because God was right by her side. It's almost the idea, as I've mentioned to you before, of Job. Now, Job doesn't do anything but complain throughout his entire trial and tribulation. But he's not complaining to man. He's actually making his complaint or lodging his complaint to God because he realizes that God is the only one who can do something about his situation. Listen to what he said. He said, naked came I into the world and naked shall I live all the days of my appointed time. What you going to do, Job? I'm going to wait. Until my change comes, it took a change to get me in this mess and it's going to take a change to get me out of this mess. So why grumble and complain? I'm just going to trust that God uh, will bring me safely through. So God will meet you and I based on the context of our crisis. But then secondly, God will meet you and I based on the center of our convictions. No matter what we go through and no matter what we face, each of us ought to have some level of conviction. Each of us ought to have some level of faith. Minister Dion mentioned it just a few moments ago. Hebrews eleven six says without faith, it is impossible to please him. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is the rewarder of them. Here it is uh, that diligently seek him. And it may be that God has not rewarded my faith because I have not diligently sought him. And you and I, no matter what we are going through, ought to diligently seek the face of God. And God can give us that peace that we're lacking. God can give us that joy that we're lacking. God can give us that love that we're lacking. But that only happens when you and I diligently seek him. I was blessed many years ago to sit at the feet of the late Reverend Dr. Frederick G. Sampson II, who pastored the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Detroit. And Frederick Sampson used to always say that he learned life's lessons from his children. And I've learned that in my own experience because my children are always teaching me on a daily basis. And so Dr. Sampson tells a story of his daughter, Frida. He had been out of town and he had come home and he was late for a publication. And so he was sitting in his office. But his policy was always to never keep the door locked because God wouldn't lock him out. So he was sitting in his office. The door was closed. But he told his children, if you need me, you can always come in because the door is not locked. One day, his daughter Frida came in with what he called the ugliest doll in the county. She had a doll in one hand and a broken arm in the other hand. And he turned to her and said, Frida, tell daddy what you want. Daddy's busy. She said, daddy, my doll's arm is broken. 
He said, Frida, ask your mother to help you. And she said, no, daddy, I want you to help me. She said, ask your brother Frederick to help you. And he said, no, daddy, I want. She said, no, I want you to help me. He said to her that he was busy. He said, I'll be with you in just a few moments. And she said, no, daddy, you told me that if I needed you, I could come to you. And at that moment, he said, Frida raised that ugly doll in one hand and that broken arm in the other hand and tears started to roll down her face. And he realized that her heart string, his heart strings were being tugged on by her tears. And when you and I come into the presence of God and tears are streaming down our face, we are tugging on the heart strings of God. And he told her to come to him. And he realized then that no matter what we're going through and no matter what we are facing. God won't lock us out and we can stand before him. Raise our broken marriages in one hand. Raise our broken children in the other hand. Raise our broken jobs in one hand. Raise our broken situations in the other hand and say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, whether shall I go? And God is saying to you and I that when we come to him, We can trust that he will work out that situation for our good, but ultimately for his glory. Nobody likes pain. Nobody likes trouble. But if we never had a problem, we wouldn't realize that God could solve them. Now, I know that's a cliche, but I'm a living witness that when you have trouble, if you turn it over to God, he will uh, work it out. But you have to put your trust in him. And I think so often in our own lives, because of our lack of trust, because of our lack of conviction, because of our lack of faith, God does not answer because uh, we don't believe that he will do what we're asking him to do. Isn't that what James tells us that we have not because we ask not? And then even when we ask, we ask amiss. We don't even believe what we're asking God for. He can actually do it for us. But this woman believed that God could work her situation out because she comes to the man of God. And in spite of the fact that she said that all was well, things were business as usual. She had a problem, but she knew that God could work it out. So when we have these meetings with God, he will meet us based on the context of our crisis. He will meet us at the center of our convictions. But then third and finally, God will meet us based on the continuity of our commitment. Remember, she says to the servant, don't stop unless I tell you to stop. Keep riding until we arrive at our destination. And that might be the struggle that I'm having today. I am confused that my current location is going to be my final destination, and that's not the way God sees it. Your current location is not your final destination. It's only your current location because you haven't started moving yet. I tell people all the time that there are only two steps to walking and you don't have to take my word for it. You can stand up wherever you are. I wouldn't suggest doing it while you're driving in your car, but you can stand up wherever you are. Right where you are, take a right step and then a left step and then you do it all over again. That's all walking is. It's two steps. And God is saying to you and I that I want you to receive me. Then I want you to respond to me. Those are the only two steps. And guess what? He wants us to do it all over again. She says, don't stop unless I tell you to stop. She says, don't slow down unless I ask you to slow down. You have to keep on moving. 
And that's all I've been trying to suggest to you as we've spent this time together that you and I ought to keep on moving because we are trusting in God. The children of Israel left Egypt land in the dead of night. And when they found themselves trapped down at the Red Sea with no boat and no bridge, they started to question whether or not God was truly uh, leading Moses. And God tells Moses, if you advise the children of Israel to stand still, this is the day that they can see the salvation of the Lord. God parted the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground. Now, you and I know that whenever water comes in contact with dirt, it becomes mud. But God loved them so much that he didn't even allow their shoes to get muddy. And God loves you and I so much that even when the mud is in front of us, God will harden it and make it a sidewalk so that we can make it to our destination. I'm finished, but there's a story told of the 1968 Olympics, the marathon to be exact. The gold medalist in the 1968 Olympic marathon was a man by the name of Mamo Waldy. Mamo Waldy won the uh, marathon, but the story or the headlines about the 1968 Olympic marathon was not about the gold medalist, but actually about the person who finished dead last. It was a man by the name of John Stevens Acuri who had fallen at the beginning of the 26-mile marathon. He had been trampled on by some of the runners and many people thought that he was going to quit. His wounds were bandaged up and John Stevens Acuri struck out on that 26 mile race. Finally, two hours and some 30 minutes later, after Mamo Waldy had finished the race, John Stevens Acuri comes into the stadium in Mexico City. He gets to the finish line and there are news reporters around. They're snapping photos and somebody asked him, when you fell at the beginning of the race, why didn't you stop? You were trampled. You were bruised. You were battered. And John Stevens Akuri said, my name is John Stevens Akuri. I'm from Tanzania. That's 8,000 miles away. And my country didn't send me here to start this race. They sent me here to finish this race. And that's all I'm trying to tell you today, brothers and sisters. God didn't put you on this journey for you to start it. God put you on this journey so that you might finish it. And if you put your hand in his hand, he will lead you and guide you every step of the way. Nobody said the road was going to be easy. Nobody said that the route would not be rough. But when you trust God, he will lead you and carry you safely through to where he wants you to be. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Pastor, you never fail to leave us with a word, to leave us with that food for thought, to to nourish us with the things of God. And we are so, so grateful to have you. And we look forward to the next time. Family, though your mind may not be able to retain all that is here, our greatest hope and our greatest prayer is that your hearts will remain open because now seed can fall on good ground. And when you find yourself in these situations, up pops the fruit of what was spoken here to your minds to remind you that God is God alone, all by himself. He needs nobody else. How can you know that he's the God of all comfort if you're in a comfortable position. How can you know that he's your healer if you're always whole or well? How can you know that he's your provider if you never had a need? So right here in your situation and your brokenness is God's opportunity. 
And we want to present you with an opportunity right here today. If you have not received salvation, that is Jesus Christ to be your Lord and deliverer, we present this opportunity to you right now. Just repeat these words after me in prayer. Say it with your mouth, mean it with your heart. Lord, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you hung, bled, and died in my place. You, the Son of God, then rose and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Lord Jesus, you are welcomed in this place of my heart. May your spirit never depart. Receive me as I receive you this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Family, if you just uttered those words, welcome in. Heaven is rejoicing. Continue to walk after. Continue to press forward. And your crown awaits you. Your God is beckoning you. Until next time, one voice, I speak life. Thanks for listening to Disciples Pathway Ministries with Minister Robbie E. Lilly. Thanks for your prayers and for your gifts to his great work of God. For booking and requests for services, look up Disciples Pathway Ministries on Facebook. That's Disciples Pathway Ministries on Facebook. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.